Questions and Answers. When calamity strikes, like the COVID-19 crisis, people ask, if God exists, why is there so much evil and suffering? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In a recent message delivered to students in New York, Pat addressed this question and other challenges related to God and the problem of evil and suffering. Here with part two and the conclusion to this message entitled, If God Exists, Why Is There So Much Evil and Suffering? is our host, Pat Zucran separating good and evil forever on the final judgment day by quarantining evil, separating the righteous from the unrighteous in heaven and in hell. So we do live in a just universe where righteousness shall be rewarded and evil shall receive its due judgment. Now the official defeat of evil occurred on the cross that we celebrate, but the actual defeat is going to be when Christ returns, all right? So evil has been officially defeated, but its actual defeat will occur when Christ returns. You know, in World War II, D-Day was the most massive launch, you know, ground assault ever in the history of the world, where tens of thousands of troops were landed on the shores of France. And when D-Day was successful, all right, and we started moving, we knew we were going to win the war, all right? It was just a matter of time till we got into Germany and, you know, conquered the city. It was just a matter of time. Well, our D-Day has come, okay, on the cross with Jesus Christ, all right? And that's a true hope. It's a historical event. The evidence for the resurrection is very compelling. So our D-Day has come. We're simply waiting for V-Day or Victory Day when at Christ's return, he shall judge evil and end suffering. Well, why doesn't he do it now? Well, 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter answers that question for us. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You know, I used to be on a two-hour talk show, political talk show, out here in Hawaii with the former lieutenant governor of Hawaii. And we always had a great, for some reason, all the atheists and the, the objectives would wait for Thursday afternoon when I was on the air, and they would all start calling me. Thomas the Atheist, Kekoa the Communist, Obamacare Jim, and, and others. And I remember Thomas the Atheist asking me, you know, if God could destroy evil and he's all power, why doesn't he do it now? And I said, Thomas, you're the reason why he's waiting for people like Thomas and others to come to faith in Christ. I'm glad he did. I'm glad he does. Because if God were to end evil now and judge evil now, then everyone who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will be separated from him forever in hell. I'm glad that Christ didn't come back in 1980, you know, because if he did come back in 1980, I'd be in hell and separated from God forever. All right. So God allows evil to run its course, but it won't be this way forever. One day he will bring it to an end. Okay. And he will judge evil and separate good from evil. 
okay? So it's not gonna be this way forever, but right now he is patient, even using you know, evil and suffering to bring about his purpose, which is always for our good and his glory. All right, the question I skipped is what are the effects of evil? Well, sin and evil has infected and affected all aspects of God's creation. From our nature, we have a fallen nature, so we can do great good because we're designed in the image of God. But because we are fallen, our natural tendency is to serve self. And so we can commit great acts of evil as well. And we live in a fallen world now where the effects of sin upon creation are seen. And so there's two types of evil now that we contend with that has affected all aspects of creation. There's what we call moral evil, which is evil that is the result of immoral decisions that human beings make and inflict suffering upon one another. And then there's what we call natural evil, all right? Evil resulting from nature, a being a part of a fallen world, earthquakes, tsunami, pandemics, like you see now. It's part of being in a fallen world. And God uses both, all right? He allows free creatures to suffer the consequences of the disobedience and the bad decisions that they make. And because we now live in a fallen world, there is natural evil that occurs. And God uses even those events to bring about his purpose in our lives and in this world. There's no way we're going to know okay, the explanation and the purpose of God in every event. All right. But we know that God is all powerful. God is in control. His wisdom far exceeds ours and is able to bring about his purpose, even in these tragedies. Now, is there hope in the midst of evil and suffering? I'm going to say the Christian worldview is the only one that offers a meaningful, true message of hope in the midst of evil and suffering. What does atheism offer? Well, in atheism, the universe is an accident. There's no purpose for its existence, all right? Just exploded out of nothing into being. And there's no purpose, rhyme or reason why it's here. And since the universe is an accident, we are an accident as well. There's really no purpose for our existence here. And as the universe expands, it's going to run out of energy and reach a state of final entropy and the universe comes to an end. And the question the naturalists must ask themselves is, well, what difference did it ever make that we were here? Or did it make any difference? And you come to the conclusion that all the great atheists have come to, that life is ultimately meaningless. All right, there's really no ultimate purpose for our existence here. We exist for a brief moment in time and we're gone, all right? You know, as an atheist for many years, I had to wrestle with that ultimate question. What difference does it make for the scientists who discovers great cures for pandemics when ultimately everything ends in death and extinction? What purpose is there for the soldier who fights for freedom in foreign lands, gives his life, yet everything ends in annihilation and extinction? What 
purpose is there ultimately for the politician who fights for freedom and justice and in the end all ends in extinction and annihilation. So if that is indeed the case, our existence, including our suffering, ultimately has no meaning. There is no hope. The only sure thing you have is extinct, you know, your extinction and annihilation and the extinction and annihilation eventually of all the universe as it runs out of energy and reaches its state of final entropy. What does pantheism have to offer? Well, in pantheism, if good and evil are resident in God, then like Taoism, you just passively accept it. That's just the way it is. It always has been, always will be. And that's just the way it is. In Hinduism, you have the great triad, right? Brahma, the creator, Vishnu, the sustainer, and Shiva, the destroyer. And the destroyer, Shiva, is not evil, just is, just accept it, all right? Or if you say that the world is an illusion, as in Buddhism, I grew up in the Japanese Buddhist tradition, you say the world is an illusion, then one must detach from all things of this world, right? Because it's an illusion. So the true Buddhist, the true Buddhist that you see there in Southern Asia owns nothing except their walking staff, begging bowl, and their orange robe, and they detach from all things. Attachment to things of this world is what causes pain and suffering, according to Buddha. So what is the answer? Well, you need to escape from pain and suffering, detach from all things. Okay? Do not be attached to anything. All right, that's why the true Buddhist doesn't marry, they live a solitary life, not attached to any illusionary things of this world, all right? Why would you go buy a bridge in New York that doesn't exist? Okay, why invest and get attached to illusions, all right? Things that really aren't real. But that, you know, in Buddhism, growing up as a Buddhist, I found that to be a very cruel answer because you've got to deny reality, and your humanity, God designed us to love. And love is what makes us human. And it's the greatest thing that we can do and to be attached to people and to have dreams and those things, those are good things, all right? And to say, well, you know, we must deny everything and okay? detach from all things. That's, you gotta deny your humanity there. You remember Star Wars, right? Anakin Skywalker was having these visions of his secret wife, Padme, dying, suffering and dying. And he goes to the great Jedi Master Yoda and he says, I have these visions, pain, suffering. And uh, Yoda says, someone close to you? And he says, yes. And Yoda says, well, careful, Anakin Skywalker. Attachment leads to jealousy, right? Envy, you know, shadows of greed, those are. And that leads to the dark side. So then Anakin says, what must I do? And Yoda says, detach from everything that you fear to lose. And that's classic Buddhism there. And that's George Lucas. You know, Star Wars is his spiritual journey as a Buddhist. And that's classic Buddhist answer there. Detach from all things. And the Jedi represent the true Buddhists. They don't marry. They don't get attached to things. They just travel the universe, bringing balance to the force. And so that's pantheism, man. Pantheism's answer, all right? I think it's a real cruel and, and a dehumanizing answer. I think Christianity is the only one that offers the true message of hope. 
the Christian worldview, I believe, is the only one that offers a, a true message of, of hope in the midst of suffering. We know that, number one, God is in control of all things and uses even evil and suffering to bring about his purpose in this world, which is always for our good and his glory. Isaiah 45, 7 says, I am the Lord, I create good, and I create calamity. All right? So God even uses calamity to bring about his purpose. Proverbs 16, 4 says, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. So even wicked men and evil, God uses to bring about his purpose. Romans 8.28 says, God uses all things for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. All things, the good and the bad. He works behind the scenes often in ways we don't see or understand or even notice. Maybe until we look back years from now and see how God uses to bring about his purpose. We see that in the life of Joseph. Great suffering and evil happened in his life as his brothers betrayed him and sold him off into slavery. He spent time in prison where he was forgotten, right? And then eventually he interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh and became prime minister of Egypt. And then eventually rescued his family and his people from famine in the land. And at the end of his days, his brothers thought he was going to get revenge on him, but he looked at them and he said, What you did, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So God took this young boy, he was 18, and put him through those trials to build in him the character he needed to become one of the most powerful men in the most powerful empire of the world. All right, that couldn't have happened if you take a spoiled 18-year-old and stick him into a position of leadership like that. God needed to build character in him. And what seemed to be evil, God used for good. Another example is right here in Hawaii. You know, there was a pandemic that came after the Captain Cook and the Americans discovered Hawaii. As a result of those sailors from Europe and America coming, they brought disease that the Hawaiians had never faced before, measles and smallpox, and it decimated the population, you know, in the 40 years that they were here. Before the missionaries came, it just decimated the population. And it actually, God used it for good because it prepared the Hawaiian people for the coming of the gospel, because they were praying to their gods, making their human sacrifices and doing all of that. And they realized that their gods were powerless and useless. And so they eventually got rid of their gods, got rid of their pagan temples, burned it all to the ground. And they were waiting for the message of God to come. And the missionaries came. And when the missionaries came, they embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at one point, Hawaii had the highest literacy rate and the largest church in the world was right here in the state of Hawaii, believe it or not. And the Hawaiian people embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God was able to take something bad and use it for good. So God is in control and can use evil and suffering to bring about his purpose, which is always for our good and for his glory. So for the Christian, 
There is purpose in our suffering. That's why James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and steadfastness has its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I can't tell you every reason why God allows evil and the suffering that comes with it, but you know, there are several purposes, good things that come out of it that the Bible teaches. One of it, it is it builds our character. We learn more from pain than from pleasure. The most inspiring speakers, right, are those who have endured and suffered great tragedy and have come through it. Not those who lived an easy, spoiled life. You know, we don't want to listen to any of those. Those who really made it through some very difficult times, those are the ones that really inspire us. I have been inspired by Johnny Erickson Tata, you know, quadriplegic, Nick Vujicic, man born with no arms, no legs, uh, and others. Tremendously inspiring speakers because of things they went through and the character that they have developed through this as such a powerful testimony to us, right? And that's what builds character. You know, in jujitsu, when I started, you know, advancing, became an advanced white belt, I enjoyed fighting the beginners because I could win, right? But if all I did was fight the beginners, I'd never get any better. I had to fight the higher level guys, all right? And that caused a lot of pain and suffering, all right? But that's how I got better. And I grew as a jujitsu student. And same thing with us, you know, it's through pain and times of suffering that our character is refined, our thinking is corrected, and we are shaped into a more mature image of God. We know that suffering turns us away from the path of destruction to the path of healing and to life. And finally, pain and suffering humbles us, makes us teachable, open, questions our belief, and turns us towards the truth. One of the projects I'm working on is the transhumanist movement there. Some of you might be familiar with this, but in the secular or atheist transhumanist movement, they believe that uh, artificial intelligence, genetic engineering, and medical technology will bring in a utopia. You know, through genetic engineering, we will solve and cure all diseases. And in fact, we're going to discover the aging gene and discover the problem to aging. And we're going to have eternal life. And through artificial intelligence, we stick a chip in your brain and we're going to give you Google-like intelligence. So we'll be eternal, all Google-like knowing. And with biotechnology, we're going to be able to give you bionic arms and legs and whatever and, and make you incredibly strong. So you'll be a superhuman, super smart, and eternal. So who needs God? Who needs a savior? Well, something like what we're seeing now with COVID-19 humbles us and turns us away from false hopes and brings us back to reality once again and makes us realize, you know, we're frail human beings and we need God, not only for meaning and purpose in our lives, but he is the one who's really in charge and he upholds and sustains the universe. And finally, for the Christian, you know, this is not the end. In the end, we overcome with Christ. Paul writes, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. This is not the end. You know, there's something greater that awaits us. If we are alive when Christ returns, then the end of evil and suffering in God's kingdom comes. 
If not, what's the worst that happens? Well, our physical body dies and our soul and spirit exists eternally with God forever. End of suffering, end of contending with evil. And so, as Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. There is an incredible hope for believers that we shall be victorious over evil and suffering in the end through Jesus Christ. And the resurrection of Christ guarantees that. And the resurrection of Christ is one of the most well-documented historical events of all time. The evidence for the resurrection is absolutely compelling. I've debated this many places, and my professors far, far more intelligent than me have debated this all over the world. And the evidence for the resurrection you know, has never been beat. And so there's an eternal hope for the believer in Christ that cannot be taken away. An incredible, real message of hope that only those in Christ have. I remember debating Luke and his final question was, well, Pat, if God is so good and all powerful, why does he allow babies to be born with such deformities that they just suffer and live meaningless lives and die? And my response was, Luke, what do you mean they live meaningless lives? You know, I said, if atheism is true, yes. I said, what is your answer to them? Well, life is ultimately meaningless. We're accidents in time and space. You're part of the evolutionary process, part of the flawed process. And you live a meaning, you know, you're ultimately your life is meaningless. Your suffering is meaningless. You suffer and you're going to be extinct. I said, that's your message, Luke. So he said, well, then what's yours? And I said, well, who says their life is meaningless? I learn a lot more from people like that. When I had to care for special needs children, man, they taught me a ton, not only as they endured, but I also learned a lot about myself, how selfish I am, how ungrateful I am, you know, for the things that I have. And it made me a much better person. So who says their life is meaningless? It had tremendous meaning for me and those who took care of those with special needs. And I said, it's not the end for them. One day they're going to be forever with God, free from all their pain and suffering. It's all going to come to an end for them eternally. And Luke asked, well, isn't that false hope? Pie in the sky? What makes you think that's going to happen? And I said, well, I know because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he said, well, how do you know that? And I thought, I said, well, thought you'd never ask. So for the Christian, there is everlasting, eternal hope there, something only the Christian worldview can offer. Well, that's just briefly evil and suffering for a more extensive treatment. You know, go to our website, evidenceandanswers.org, and hear a whole series on this particular topic, as well as something else. Okay, as long as also with a whole bunch, over 500 other interviews, right? So I believe Christianity of all the worldviews and ideologies out there offer the most reasonable answer to the problem of evil and suffering and the only true message of hope in the midst of suffering. So at this time, as the world is being humbled, many are questioning their ideologies. Many are seeking truth and asking the big questions of life. What is really important? What is truth? And they're asking questions about eternity poses a great opportunity for every believer in Christ to really bring the message of true hope of Jesus Christ to the world at this time. Let me pray for all of us, all right? And we'll turn it back over to Ray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. 
And that gives us peace, peace that passes all understanding. Lord, we can't answer all the questions of why things are happening or why people are suffering now, but we know that we can trust you through all of this to be working behind the scenes to bring about your purpose this time in history. And perhaps this is indeed a premier time for believers in Jesus to really live out the message of truth, to proclaim the message of truth now to a world that's looking for hope and for answers. And I pray we would seize this opportunity to be able to present truth in a loving, powerful way that many may come to faith in your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website at evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website, Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org, and you may do so right there online on the homepage. You will also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucarat. (laughs) 